You're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer again. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. Come on, you ain't you wanna live forever. Cinematic Would you like to know more? Hi and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon style process to select our next movie. Each week we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. Rules are simple. Whoever chooses this pod's movie sits out selection. One of the remaining hosts then chooses an actor or crew member to take our cinematic leap with leaving our final host to then choose the next movie. You can't choose an actor or crew member that has been chosen within the last six choices. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Medic! <laughs> and Glenn Greening. Uh, hello. Gentlemen, how are we? Good. Very good. You don't sound good if you're a medic. No, that's right. <laughs> I can see it already. We have had COVID in the house. Uh, Michael, yes. so... Although um, apparently you get stabbed through the chest and then just run and like as normal two minutes later uh, in this movie. So yeah, <laughs> maybe medics well, it is the It is the 23rd century. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the guy had a, his arm broken within about two days. He was fine. So <laughs> clearly, um, yeah, clearly mm. medicine takes a pretty big jump between now and when this film is supposed to be set. Uh, uh, hopefully it's a lot better than what it was from uh, Back to the Future 2 where we should have been on hoverboards at this stage mm. <laughs> so without further ado uh, this week we are doing the 1997 military science fiction film Starship Troopers directed by Paul Verhoeven and it's based on the Robert A. Heinlein's 1959 book stars Casper Van Diem Dan, sorry, uh, Dina Meyer Denise Richards and Neil Patrick Harris, co-stars Jake Busey, Patrick Muldoon and Michael Ironside. Had a, had a budget of about 100 to 105 million, made 121.2 million. Um, this was really negatively reviewed when it first came out. Mm -hmm. um, it was slammed. Uh, it, when it was actually, I guess you'd say re-reviewed about 12 months later, it was a lot. It was seen in a lot more positive light. I think people actually started to understand the nuances and the, um, I guess, the joke inside mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, and I guess this yeah. is like you know we've, we've we've said this before. The critics are critics are rubbish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I've said that before. Very true. Yes, but uh, you get like you know they the, they they watch the film. and you know they're, maybe they're watching so many films. It's like oh yeah, here's one. This one's like you know uh, you know fattest you know military rubbish you know don't watch yeah. it it's no good but then you get the fans that kind of you know sort of watch it. and i think like you, you know, starship troopers has grown a big fan base over you know the years since 1997 and yeah like you get people kind of building on the the layers that like are in this film and, and why it's so good yeah oh 100 agree i think and you can understand in a lot of ways why it was slammed especially by a critic when you first watch it, because although this movie is probably right up my alley, I, it's, I do quite enjoy this movie. You can see why it would be panned. 
Um, and it's probably not until I watched it for the second or third time that I started to, I guess, to get the inside joke of it all in terms of, um, you know, politics and, and war and all of that sort of stuff. Um, at the time, I just thought it was just a kick-ass action movie with shitloads of carnage and some boobs. So, yeah, which is you know, which is great. Like, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I was yeah. the same um, as the critics when it first came out. I was like, oh man, what, what is this rubbish? This is so dumb. And then I watched it a year later. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> I was always yeah. a fan from the beginning. I just wanted, I yeah. wanted to add noted. <laughs> I loved it. Um, and yeah. I guess like on that sort of um, that sort of uh, what you were saying, Scott. It was kind of like this is a Ken and Barbie go to space movie, like you know, what's mm. that about? But Paul Verhoeven has like you know, and he's got other great films. Total Recall, Robocop. He's a great auteur in terms of like filmmaking, and you know, it's underrated by a lot of he's people. He's also got he's also got Basic Instinct as well. I do believe Paul Verhoeven. Mm. So another, I don't think that's quite got the. Uh, the messages behind it. No, I haven't, what, I haven't yeah. seen that one. Oh, haven't you? No, I haven't. Oh. Oh. Oh, we'll have to go there, maybe. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one that we might have to look at. Um, so IMDb, this has got a rating of 7.3. Rotten Tomatoes at 6.2. And Metacritic was a 51%. Um, and this was actually nominated for an Academy Award for, uh, for special effects. Yep. Uh, it didn't win. Um, and to be honest, I think some of the special effects, when you look back at it now, are pretty... But average 1997 though that would have been cutting edge yeah it's funny we say this and we we do go oh but if you look back because you've still got to remember terminator 2 was 1992 and that i actually watched that not that long ago and that still holds up but there's not from a, a special effect point of view there's not a lot of i mean there's a fair few but there's not stacks of cgi footage in it and it's all very deliberate um and i think you even look at uh I guess like they're more. They're looking for like they they've got bigger sequences in um, Starship Troopers, and it's still like a, a low budget film. It's like a hundred million. It's not like you know. Yeah, true. T two. It's probably it's probably a similar budget, but I mean you're talking six mm. seven years down the track. Yeah. So. Um, I, I don't think I computing think... power really had jumped a lot. Like I mean, you do have the Frighteners. It's in the same era as that, so. Yeah, well, I think they did use CGI in this, but they also had a lot of. They actually did have like similar to what Jurassic Park was. They actually had, you know, they built mechanical bugs, which to create mm. that little bit more uh, realism. And apparently, <laughs> another realistic thing was um, Paul Verhoeven himself with a with a broom chasing the cast around, saying, "We're bug, we're going to kill you." <laughs> I read that as a thing. I thought that was funny. <laughs> so, I picked the Leaper, which was uh, Jake Busey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I picked him pretty much to get this movie. <laughs> no other, no other real reason. I was hoping that we would get to hear. There's a couple of other movies that you probably, Michael, because you chose this movie that we could have gone with. But I was pretty happy when you chose this. Oh, look, maybe there's he's got some work, you know, in the comedy field, and he's always that perennial asshole kind of character. But I mean, Starship Troopers. It's like it was an easy, easy choice for me. There was no kind of. Um, big debaters like Starship Troopers. Let's go with that. Yeah. So we've all we'd all obviously seen it. Um, I'd actually watched it randomly um, not that long ago. So to to watch it again, I was actually looking forward to watching it again. Um, Glenn, had you watched this for a while? Not since late nineties, probably. 
yeah, not in a long time. Really? But I've got the DVD um, yep. on my shelf. But yeah, I remember I have seen it more than once before um, because I remember the first time I didn't really get it, I guess, because I, like, I didn't like it. I thought this was stupid. But then when I watched it again, I remember really loving it. Um, so I might have seen it three times in total, but not in a long time. Yep. Um, so going into it, what were your thoughts? I was looking forward to it. Oui. Yeah, I was excited to watch this. Um, felt a bit longer than I remembered. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I was looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, I was very happy that you chose it. Oh, yeah, the length of the movie will get brought up later on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael, now time for you to uh, throw to the trailer. In every age, there is a cause worth fighting for. But in the future, the greatest threat to our survival will not be man at all. Hey, Kenton, what's going on? It's war! We're going to war! Now, the youth of tomorrow must travel across the stars to defend our world. We are a generation commanded by fate to defend humankind. Everyone fights, no one quits. We are going in with first wave. You smash the entire area, you kill anything that has more than two legs, you get me? We get you, sir! But they will face an enemy more devastating than any ever imagined. takes you to the front lines of the next frontier. Kill them all! Starship Troopers. Would you like to know more? All right, so Michael, you chose this movie, uh, so I'll hand over for you for the synopsis. Uh, and please, everyone, if you haven't seen it, go and watch the movie. There will be spoilers within this, I'm sure. Just a few. Okay. Um, Thanks, Scotty. The Starship Troopers tells the story of an interplanetary war between Earth and colonies of large insect-like aliens in the 23rd century. It focuses on the experience of Johnny Rico, played by Casper Van Dien, one of three friends who signed up to the military one year before Earth declares war on the arachnids. The film opens to a futuristic television viewing sequence. Although, I mean, like, when we... Watch it, it actually doesn't feel futuristic at all. It actually just feels like the internet. This is dominated by an ongoing war with aliens. They call it arachnids or bugs due to their appearance. We see the engagement with the bugs, with the Federation soldiers in retreat, dying to the swarms of bugs. Uh, in this sequence, we meet Rico. Covering the retreat, he is then attacked by an arachnid, and then we cut to a one-year flashback. Well, flashback, a year. 
Um, and it takes a scene to the posh Buenos Aires High School of young man named Johnny or John Johnny Rico, played by Casper Van Dien, uh, one-armed history teacher, Mr. Raz- Radcheck, uh, played by My- Michael Ironside, uh, forcefully quizzing his students about the efficacy of naked force in dispute resolution and the need for civic responsibility. It's actually really, I like that sequence. It actually kind of plays into stuff later on. Um, a blind, strutting biology teacher later on, um, we also see the, the budding romance between uh, Carmen Ibanez, played by Denise Richardson, and Johnny, which is kind of a good thing to like to know. Um, a blind, strutting biology teacher, uh, played by Rue McCallaghan, loudly yeah, A golden girl. Oh, yeah. Also, <laughs> I didn't realise it. Didn't actually... Yeah. Yeah. She's Blanche off the golden girl. I, I recognised the name when you said it, but I didn't realise it was her when yeah. I was watching. <laughs> I'd, yeah, I hadn't tweaked that at all. You learn something about this movie every time. Um, loudly corrects her students by pointing out the numerous daunting ways the arachnids are superior to humans regarding competitive survival. Ruko is shown to have high athletic ability. Um, Later on, a very competitive nature. Uh, Low math aptitude, great, but mostly uh, unreturned love for his girlfriend, Carmen Ibanez. Uh, Ibanez. And much indecision about his future. In a short scene where Johnny and Carmen have to dissect the bug as part of the biology, biology lesson, Johnny is also shown of a strong stomach. Regarding to dissect a bug for biology class, Johnny nonchalantly carves open the open and pulls out the creature's innards while Carmen vomits at the side of the entrails and runs out. When Carmen decides to join the Federal Service, Johnny decides to follow into the service out of her love, or out of love for her. Uh, his parents show intimate, uh, her parents, his parents show immediate revulsion at this choice, which involves two years of sacrifice and uncertain survival. His father demands he attends Harvard University and dangles an expensive Outer Rings vacation to, on Zegama Beach to tempt him. Rico persists and is disowned. What do you think? What are your thoughts at this stage, gents? So we're about 15 minutes in to the movie at this stage. Well, it was about 20, but yeah. Yeah, 15, 20. And we pretty much get exactly what we need. We, everything that the movie is going to be is set down in this first 15 minutes. So you know exactly where you stand, pretty much. And I like that because you get it's straight into it. So, okay, so we're, there's some really good carnage at the start. We see that they've got to fight these bugs. We go back to the one year earlier. Um, <clears throat> we get a really good establishment of the friends and the friends group. You know, you've got Carl smart and has got psychic abilities. Carmen smart, wants to be a pilot. You know, Rico, not very smart, um, but the cliche jock, athletic, tough, and comes from a rich family. Uh, and then you've got Diz, who loves Rico, um, and he's probably a lot more suited to him. So, hmm. And you can see that this is the four that we're probably going to follow throughout the movie. Um, and I do like the way it sets it up. So you basically know we're into an action movie, we've got to fight bugs, and these are the four people we're following, and these are the things that they do. Yeah, it's a great hook. Just to... That, yeah, kind of that you're hooked into sequence. the movie straight away and you sort of know where you're going. Hmm. I think what we kind of like, there's aspects of here, like, you know, and it breaks, breaking up these sequences is um, the whole federal service or, fe- like, you know, the federation kind of network um, where it's kind of like, you know, here is this thing. Would you like to know more? Um, here is how our soldiers are doing this. Would you like to know more? It's a really kind of interesting hook that kind of plays into, you know, the fascist society that we're in. Yeah, that propaganda. Mm, propaganda, beautiful word. That's exactly it. Um, Whilst also get delivering yeah. a lot of the plot really easily without any 
need for yeah. actors yeah. in 15 minutes yeah Hmm. Yeah, 15, 20 minutes, you basically know the plot of the movie and what's going to happen. I think you also you know, know that- the, the world that it's in as well. It's like you have an understanding of the government, you have an understanding of the, um, you know, what is going on and outside of the high school. Like, it gives a pretty broad introduction to um, the actual film world of Starship Troopers. Yeah, 100%. Okay, largely based on their academic test scores, Rico is assigned to mobile inventory, while Carmen is assigned to flight school, no surprise, and his best friend Carl, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, is assigned to the elite games and theory military military intelligence section. Where he does the Ghostbusters, uh, he does the Ghostbusters yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> guess the, Where he's got guess to try the, card. the cards. Like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Very, it just was very also, similar. Also noticed here how big a difference there seems to be in the attitudes of the parents. Like Rico's parents, obviously rich. I mean, they're all, from what I can tell, seem to be rich parents. Excuse me. But Rico's parents are dead against it. Yet Carl and Carmen's parents seem to be all for it or are happy for their kids to go. It's an interesting... Well, do we really get an idea about them? Well, I mean, Carmen says that her dad, you know was really going to miss her and actually helped her pack and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, and, so he, sh- and he t- cried a bit. Yeah. And I just assume that Carl's... Carl probably put it in her head that yeah. he's happy with it. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so after that, a girl from Rico's high school uh, football team, Dizzy Flores, um, played by Dina Mayer, uh, who is long and amateur um, Rico, uh, secretly joins the mobile infantry and successfully requests a transport to Rico's training unit. Rico's a little bit, ugh, whatever. Um, but he soon finds the grueling boot camp, or the, the boot camp quite grueling and more difficult than anticipated, with terrible injuries being inflicted on officers, inflicted by the officers and NCOs, uh, particularly his drill instructor, Drill Sergeant Zim, uh, played by Clancy Brown. Great, that's a great role. Uh, in an effort to teach the new soldiers quickly and efficiently, Medic! <laughs> uh, Rico excels at the training and eventually is promoted to squad leader. Karma decides to go career. This is, you know, the, the girlfriend. Uh, because of a lover piling massive starships, which precludes getting back together with Rico after two years of service. So she breaks up with him in a Dear John video. Um, a high school football rival of uh, Rico, Xander, Patrick Muldoon, has also put himself in the way of Carmen as her instructor and starts making his romantic intentions known. She neither accepts nor rejects, seeming amused and remaining intent on her piloting. After... So, so just to interrupt. Yep. I was going to say this for my questions later, but we'll, might as well address it now. He seems to be fairly well progressed mm. as a pilot, yet he still seems to be in the school gridiron game. So he seems to have already been accepted to pilot school, but he still seems to be playing in the high school football game I didn't quite understand I think in that football game he's going to flight school the next day like that's his last day I think I, keep, oh, okay. whereas I think they've still got a bit of time um, you're right it's kind of a bit odd mm. but obviously like you know put there to, as a foil and you know yeah, to promote that jealousy that. yeah okay Sorry. that's alright um after Rico makes an error as squad leader during a live fire training exercise, which results in a death of a fellow squad mate, he's punished by flogging. Classic, you know, fascist society. Um, and then quits, going down a washout lane. 
Um, however, just as he's leaving the camp, a meteor destroys the Buenos Aires, killing millions, including his parents. Now homeless, uh, he, his doubt dissolves. He rescinds his reg- resignation in a cool scene with um, you know, Sergeant, uh, Drill Sergeant Zim, um, rejoins his unit and is involved in the newly declared war against the supposed perpetrators, the arachnids of the distant planet Klindathu. <laughs> Alright, any any more thoughts here? I, I love when a meteor wipes out a whole city. It's a it's good in movies. It's it's uh quite exciting. It really changes things. Like obviously for that character, just totally changes his whole story, his whole life. He's like, okay, I'm not giving up on this, and I'm gonna go and fight. And he's like, got nothing else really. So why wouldn't you? Hmm. It's yeah. it's interesting here too. There's um like you know what I haven't covered in this part of the plot because we want to get through it is there's actually a lot of uh, cross cutting across um, Ibanez and Rico. Um, so there's actually a scene where we we actually see the asteroid, and I want to ask you about this later. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually see them encounter that yeah. um, as part of their like their her flight training. Um, and I'm, then I'm happy it, to discuss that now. Oh really? Apple, yeah. If you want. Oh because yeah. Because I sure. blame. I blame Carmen for the whole of Buenos Aires being wiped out. <laughs> I certainly blame the Roger Young. Like, why did they wait so long to dive, like, under it? It's like, wait, wait, now! It's like, go now. Just go straight away. Like, dodge. Like, a gra- well, they know what a gravity well is, surely. Well, first of all, if Carmen doesn't replot the spacecraft oh, yeah. that they're in, there's every chance that they probably... A, they don't get their communication. They don't hit it, so their communications isn't wiped out. They probably still would have seen it, and they would have been able to tell Planet Earth that it was coming and to prepare and shoot it down. They, I assume that they were able to shoot it out of the sky. Mm. So it's all Carmen's fault. It is all arrogance fault. wiped out Buenos Aires. Yeah, and you know what? You never get. You know, she never like goes. Yeah, sorry for killing everyone. My mm. bad. You know, and yeah. and the Xander never gets in trouble for allowing her to replot it. It was probably just like you know, ooh. Wow. Where's the internal review? Um, well, you'd think there would have been one, surely. And look, and my question, and like it's probably premature, you've just had a, you know where these asteroids are heading. You've just had your communications array knocked out. Why aren't you turning around? Go back. <laughs> no, no, we're going to keep trugging on. Yeah, Go we'll just back. Keep driving. <laughs> you've got a faster than light spaceship. You can get there ahead of it. Hey, guys, our bad. We blew up our communications array, but we came back. And we're here to warn you of the... Yep, see that asteroid? Here it comes. Yeah, but now nah, we'll just keep well, flying. Well, they could have shot at it. Can they shoot? I don't know from those, but yeah. It, it, well, yeah, absolutely. Or the, yeah, they could have turned it around and just said, let's just nudge this out of the way, you know? Hmm. We'll they could deal have done with a lot of things. <laughs> so many they didn't. things. <laughs> yeah. No, we'll keep chugging. Earth's got this. And I just love <laughs> like, the... Um, the Johnny's parents just um, on their video message and they're like, oh, it's getting dark. That's weird. Oh, it's getting dark. It's weird for this time of day. And it's just like... Weather's yeah. turning quickly. Oh, might be right. It was just the worst act. I don't know if it was the acting or the dialogue, yeah. what it was. It was just like... And, you know... Oh, no, the worst, the worst acting comes later in the movie. <laughs> um, but I do... I actually do like this part of the movie where, again, you know, that first 15 minutes, you sort of builds up the whole movie. And this is sort of building up that... I guess as we go through the movie, the mobile intraf- in mobile infantry, and I guess the brotherhood that they're sort of building while they're going through training, and we see the joint 
Jao are seeing. We see that they're sort of starting to to bond as a team, and you know, yeah, I actually quite enjoyed mm. the way they built that. Um, I thought the Carmen scenes were a little bit weak at different times. It was nice to see Amy Smart though. Yes, always nice to see Amy Smart. Hmm. Um. So, that takes us to the initial evasion of Clendathu, which is a complete disaster. A uh, hundred thousand dead in one hour, including several Rico's fellow bootmates, including Shujumi, played by Anthony Revivia, and Kitten Smith, played by Matt Levin. Um, in you know classic scene, we actually see them on the video at the start. Uh, Rico is one of the few wounded to survive, and that, that sequence is always that's a lot of fun. Um, the Federation Supreme Commander Sky Marshal Deans resigns and is replaced by Sky, Sky Marshal Tehet Maru. She declares that to fight the bug, we must understand the bug, leading to altered and more intelligent battle plans, allegedly. Uh, Rico Dizzy and his friend from training, Ace Levi, are reassigned to the super-tough MI unit, the Roughnecks. Its soldiers are extremely loyal, most of whose lives have been saved by their commander, as has Rico's. He turns out to be Rico's old high school history teacher, fitted with an artificial robot arm, now Lieutenant Ratchek executing the lessons he formerly taught. After a spectacular and heroic battle on one of the bug worlds, uh, Tango Urilla, Rico's field promoted to corporal and assigns Dizzy as squad leader. After a celebration later that night, Rico and Dizzy partially undressed before sharing an amorous and intimate moment in Rico's tent <laughs> in the MI's makeshift camp. Any thoughts? Oh, again, it's just a, some really nice action scenes. Mm. Here we say, you know... Obviously, they join the Roughnecks, and it's nice to see Radchek. Um, obviously, you know he's a he's a, just a kick-ass leader, really. Mm. Um, but again, we see good carnage. We see Rico on the back of a uh, of a bug that he sort of shoots into and throws a grenade into, and that's a pretty cool sequence. Um, <clears throat> we'll talk about this when we when we go to the next part, I'm sure, with the outpost. But I do like the parts in this movie or the scenes in this movie where we see a lot of the bugs going over um, the landscape. Like, I think mm. the way they've done it actually does look really cool. Yeah, there's like um, that flowing swarm. Yeah, the special effects there really stand up in those moments. Mm. Um, their next mission, mission plunges them into a trap as they are assigned to investigate the silence of an outpost on one of the bug worlds, Planet P. From the only survivor, now a post-traumatic wreck, General Owen, Marshall Bell... Uh, they discover that the bugs possess somewhere a high intelligence and are sucking the brains out of humans to learn directly from their brains. As the troopers realise the situation, a huge force of arachnids attacks. Jean uh, Rescheck, Dizzy Flores, um, whose last words to record, Johnny, don't let me go, and almost all the roughnecks die. The survivors barely evacuate, having requested a crazy pilot to do the unlikely rescue, who coincidentally turns out to be Carmen. After a funeral service for Dizzy, Rico's old friend Carl, now a colonel in intelligence, gives Rico and Carmen his unapologetic, we're in it for the species, boys and girls. It's simple numbers, they have more. Uh, reason for the deaths of many of Rico's squadmates. Military intelligence has ascertained there might be a brain bug on Planet P, and the roughnecks were used as bait. He tells Rico that the mobile infantry will, mobile infantry will turn, return to Planet P and attempt to capture the brain bug for research. Rico accepts the mission and Carl gives him command of the Roughnecks, who are then reinforced by fresh soldiers barely in their teens, sent directly from boot camp. Carmen Ship, the Roger Young, is one of them from which the Roughnecks operate. 
Okay. In the offensive, the Roger Young explodes, hit by bug plasma, which I've seen earlier. Shot from giant bug abdomens. <laughs> Carmen and Xander barely survive, <laughs> and their escape pods land deep in a bug tunnel. They are captured, and Xander's brain is sucked out, and Jester Bry the brain bug. Rico organizes a rescue attempt and manages to save Carmen in the nick of time by threatening the brain bug with a miniature nuke. They escape to the surface safely, where the brain bug has been captured by Rico's former training sergeant Zim, voluntarily demoted. I imagine he did something where he got demoted um, to to private in order to be allowed to transfer from training to fighting. Rico, Carmen, and Carl renew their friendship. Well, that's a strong. That's a sole description. And the now fearful brain bug is sent to Earth for study in an attempt to find a way to defeat the bug menace. The film ends with an enlistment message using Rico, Carmen, and Ace as examples of heroes of the military. The end. Well, and that means there must you, be a sequel. Would you like to know more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's... There are sequels. There's yes. four more sequels. Yeah, I wonder if they're... Oh, really? They're yeah. good. Well, I went straight to video. I haven't seen it. Yeah, they are. Actually, I think um, I think the last one was a a streaming release. Um, oh, really? And it actually has. I'm pretty confident. At least has two of the three of those actors. I don't know if it had Neil Patrick Harris, but it's got um, Casper Van Dien and um, Dina Meyer. Didn't she? Did a resurrected. Oh yeah, yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah, it's a. I read the plots for them before. I thought, do I want to watch them? Do I want to watch them? I don't know. Do I really need to know more? Hmm. Yeah, I've got to say, Diz's death always gets me. So I hadn't say, uh, I I watched his. I don't it's, know, a bit, it's a bit. It's a bit Scott. Is it because you saw her boobs earlier? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> but like when I was watching, it, I watched it a couple of weeks ago in preparation for this, and I watched it again today. When I watched it a couple of weeks ago, I'd forgotten that she dies, and <laughs> I'm just sitting there watching. Her, no, what? I don't remember this bit. It was yeah, it was quite shattering actually. I did like Diz. Yeah, I think, and you know, that's that is that that's the thing you get behind. You go, yeah, Diz, you're cool. Um, I suppose that brings us to the performances part. So, it does. Yeah. We will get into cast and characters. I do want to just say one thing. Watching this again today, it pisses me off. Last time they went to go to a clan Dathu, yep. they got shot at by the plasmas. Yeah. Right? So this time they got more starships, they got them all to fly really, really close yeah. together so and miss. are shocked when the plasma yeah. wipes them out. Yeah. That's one of my questions. Yeah, it's like, like, what are they thinking? It's like, <laughs> spread out a bit. Why they, Move out of the why, way. Why are they, I mean, why are they that close in the first place? Like, you drop, know. Them, drop, the, drop the mobile infantry off. Piss off. Bug out. So to speak. Um, Seriously. And, anyway. And we, that has to be the singlest reason that the campaign on Planet P went south, Planet P went south, was that they just all parked together. It's like, yeah, no, nah, it's a light show. Holy crap. When you see one go down, surely you go, holy crap, let's pull apart a bit. Yeah. You just think it's, it's going to be bad. Bad just, admiraling. Yeah. No, no, they don't have spaceships. We'll be fine. We'll just yeah. fly together. Yeah. And they do it oh, twice. This guy got... I know. That's what pisses me off. The second time, surely you'd learn. And they know that the the giant bugs fire high energy space poo, aka plasma, and they still bring their ships in a tight formation over a planet. Great thinking, kids. It's it's like when you play the game Battleship. You don't put them all together because it's easier to hit. Yeah. You got to spread them out. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. We could anyway. We could live in that world. <laughs> spread them out, people. 
giant space energy poo. <laughs> All right, so we will go on to our, on what we thought of the casting characters. Glenn, I'll throw over to you first. Oh, I'm not going to be nice. Um, That's all right. I'll start off with my my nice bit, which was um, the main actor Johnny Rico Casper Van Dien. Mm-hmm. He surprised me. He surprised me. I, at the beginning, I was like, "Oh, who's this pretty boy they've got acting in this role? He's probably not that good. They just got him for his, you know, generic good look." Good looks, chiselled chin. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh man, this—he looks like someone out of the OC or something." And but he—he he surprised me. He was quite good in this. I thought he actually developed and become a strong leader by the end. And I—I I, I believed him as, as a character. What mm. I, what I was disappointed with, you might not like it, but Denise Richards, I could not stand her acting. I just—you know what? I, she just sat there with a smile on her face the whole time pretty much, and just said the lines. I, I just didn't... I, I don't disagree, Glenn. Like, you know, um, I don't know if she didn't have a lot to go on in terms of lines, um, but... She was there because she looked you, good. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And well, very little else. <clears throat> yeah, I don't... Like, there was not a lot... You know, she hadn't... There's nothing to chew, really, in terms of scenes. It's like um, that sort of part, and she was obviously a love interest for Johnny Rico. Mm. Um, Denise has been better in other films, easily. Um, yeah, so, I think the nice thing about performance, it was nice to see, you know, a woman, you know, in a leadership sort of position, that kind of aspect. Like, you know, she wasn't a sex symbol in that regard. Yeah. That was nice. Well, I guess neither of the women were, mm. when you think about it. Neither was Diz. Yeah. Like, like Diz, Diz was tough as fuck. Like, she was, she could hold her own both, in the football game, and then later, she certainly held herself in boot camp when she was training for the mobile infantry, and when she was out on field, she never shirked anything. Absolutely, so. there's a, I guess there's a there's a there's an part of like a masculine vibe there going on. Like you know, she's playing with the boys, so like you know, there is that um, yeah sort of thing. It definitely has that sort of second wave feminism kind of thing where she's not really. Um, in parts of it where she's not really like seen as feminine. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just a quick question before I go back to you, Glenn, for if you've got anything else about the cast and characters, would this be an, would this have been a better movie if you'd put Amy Smart in Denise Richards' spot? Question without notice. Put anyone in there. Because I, <laughs> I, I think Amy Smart's a better actress. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Back to you. Yeah, no, I think anyone in that role probably would have done better. I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm being mean, but maybe it was the script. I don't know, but it just she just didn't come across as a real character, a real person. It was more like a I'm acting, I'm driving this spaceship. You know, it wasn't. It just didn't feel realistic to me. Well, I mean, I mean the whole movie is obviously. Anyway, yeah, her her role sort of distracted from. I feel like the whole feel of the movie. One would say she was arrogant and smug, Scott. Was that, yeah? Getting the, yes. getting Buenos Aires yeah. wiped out. Yeah, cost, <laughs> cost the whole of Buenos Aires because of her arrogance. Amy Smart wouldn't have done that. No, anyway. not at all. Glenn, anyone no, else? No, that's all I've got. Michael? Well, I mean, we've talked about Denise and I'd like, you know, there's no point going back over her. I think Michael Ironside, like, bit part, but... You know, he's a standout. He has that presence, which is really nice. 
Um, and it's you see him go from, you know, from teacher, and you know he's got one arm, and you go, well, why is that? Well, because he probably has been. He's a citizen, you know. He has done that mobile infantry stuff. He's been wounded. Um, he's done his service. Um, and that sort of aspect was really nice. And then he, you see him as that leader, like you know that sort of like that the warrior, which is you know like that um, the performance. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris, I really could have seen more of him. Like, you know, it's, it was sad that he actually, um, he's only in those kind of those bits we see at the start where he's this, um, you know, goofy nerd teen. Oh yeah, I want to get into R&D research. Um, and then we see him as a, one of those kind of bits, like, you know, the little kind of, would you like to know more clips? Whereas like, you know, here's a hint, you know, if you're going to kill a bug, um, shoot them in the, the brainstem, not the thing where, you know, if you shoot in the brainstem, they'll die. Otherwise, they're still 80% fighting effective. Um, and then we see him at the end where he's going, I've been strategizing. We're, you know, there's a big change. And, like, you see that. And it's kind of, you know, he goes from that sort of nerdy high school teen to Doogie Himmler, as was described. Casper <laughs> <laughs> um, Van Dien is great. Like, he's hammy, you know, at the start, and he's fitting the role and... You know, he has that stereotypical chiseled jawline and he's kind of green, but that also works with what the film is. Um, Jake Busey plays that arsehole character with T. He's just, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, like you can't... I don't think he was acting there. I think it was just like, you know, Jake Busey, <laughs> be you. Um, and Dina Mayer was a good foil. Like, you know, she actually she actually brought that sort of bit of heart and, and you did feel for her when she died. Like, you kind of gone, oh... She dies. Mm. So, interestingly, all of those high school actors were way older than high school students. It should be noted. <laughs> Pretty sure. Well, I think it's usually the case in a lot of movies. Oh, but they were like 10 years. Like, it was... They were in there well into their 20s. Like, it's not usually well, think, that much. <laughs> well, it's topical, and this probably puts a date on when we record and when we actually post it. But... um. Olivia Newton-John was 28 in Greece, and she was supposed to be playing yeah, a high school go. person. Maybe it's less creepy and to I have 20-somethings kind of do all these things. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I reiterate everything you've said about Casper Van Dien, and it, this will come to a question I have later. I really enjoyed his performance as, as Johnny Rico. Um, I thought he played a really good leading man. And Dita Mayer, as you said, Michael, was a really good foil. Um, like, she was stunning. She's... Absolutely stunning. She's still got that feminine quality, but she was a kicker. She was kick-ass. Mm. Like she was awesome. Um, and I thought she was a really good character. Hundred percent agree about Denise Richards. Um, Glenn, Jake Busey. He was that arsehole character, but he was actually likable yeah. too. He was able to mix the two, which I thought was uh, well done. Neil Patrick Harris. Who I did think we did need more of him. And I agree, Michael Ironside was was awesome in this. Patrick Maldoon gave me the shits. Yeah. <laughs> for what it's worth. But that's his, that was his role. You were meant to not like him. And Clancy Brown, there's just mm. I just can't get him out of um, Shawshank. I'll always hate him See, forever. I mean, yes, but I, I, was, I don't watch um, Starship Troopers thinking of Shawshank. Like, and until I'd looked over IMDb a little bit earlier, I've gone, oh, that's right, he's in that. I, I forget that. Like, you forget Dizzy Dying. I mean, how you could forget such a traumatic moment. Um, but I, I don't link those two characters together, even though they're kind of similar archetypes. So, um, Favourite scene? Michael, you're, while you're 
or you've got the floor, you can continue. Look, looking past the shower scene, um, which is interesting <laughs> in itself. Like, it's kind of, like, it, you know, in the 90s, like, having that co-ed shower scene, there's a lot of, there's a lot of trivia that goes with it. Um, you know, ignoring the nudity was actually kind of, like, you know, very forward-thinking and, like, you know, sort of puts that sort of, you know, this idea of gender to kind of, like, you know, being more accepted and who cares about that sort of stuff. Um, really liked a couple of things. There was the Would You Like to Know More that really, throughout the film, punctuated what's going on and kind of kept that propaganda and kept that sort of feeling of the that sort of fascist government going. Um, uh, and those snippets really set an atmosphere and helped build the world of the fascist quasi-military future government. Um, Cara, my wife, kept saying, yes, I actually do want to know more. Uh, <laughs> why do you tease me like this? Let me search... Um, but I think the one of the highlights was the confrontation with the brain bug. Um, so, and it's kind of into that sort of climax. Um, and my favourite part is not actually where, like, you know, before it, it's actually where Xander gets his brain sucked out. Um, they're taken in, like, you know, there's a bit of a fight and they're dragged in there and it's like, you know, here, you take this knife. He could have taken the knife and actually cut off the, mm. the thing, but he's gone, no, you take it, Diz. Um, oh, not Diz, Denise. Um, Ibanez. Um, Carmen. and he goes, you can, yeah, Carmen. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, the important thing is where he gets his brain sucked out. That's the highlight I'm going for. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, the, um, yeah, so the, you know, and I guess as a Rico supporter, you kind of go, yeah, take that, you snobby bastard. Um, you know, from that earlier fight. Um, then of course we see Ibanez cut the proboscis that has emerged from the something very vaginal looking. You know, that kind of very visual imagery there. Um, which is like, you know, and I, what I also like, it comes back later in one of those kind of snippets um, where you've got the brain bug and it's in like, you know, in the, that sort of resolution phase. Um, and yeah, we're getting to know the secrets and they, like in that sort of orifice, they jam up like, you know, some sort of tool to kind of really roger it. It's very visual. You probably should see it. <laughs> yeah. it's probably a bit hard on a podcast uh, mm. to explain exactly what it is I know but I, like that's um this this whole film is layered with so many allegorical um allegorical um elements it, it's all just worth seeing it's what I think what makes it great yep 100% agree um Glenn this was hard for me to pick one like favourite scene or favourite sequence it was just they're all sort of equal kind of to me so it was hard to nothing really jumped out as a favorite so what i'll say as my favorite part of this movie and it's basically disagreeing with what you said earlier i thought the special effects were just amazing i thought they were really really good especially for the night like they've held i thought they would held up 100 percent um just not just the special digital effects but just the actual makeup the um the bug st- juice i guess that just comes that splatters everywhere all the time the gore yeah the gore. just the gore mm. in general yeah um and and just the bugs i guess themselves and and yeah the the training just any sort of blood and and gore yeah i thought it was just really well done and i don't think you could do it any better today than than they did so that for me was yeah my favorite probably part of this movie just being impressed by i that. agree with glenn <laughs> Well, just on that, I 
I agree with you in regards to yeah to the bugs and the gore and that sort of stuff. I think that holds up. The flying sequences, I thought, were really poor as a general rule, and that's probably where I'm talking about with the special effects. It just didn't look anywhere near realistic compared to what. I mean, I reckon even if you go back to, if you look at Star Wars compared to this, I would say the Star Wars flight sequences actually look more realistic than what Star Trip, Starship Troopers does. Mm. That was just the way I looked at it. The same company um, did the Industrial Light and Magic, I think, did the same mm. uh, for this. So. There you go. <laughs> I, I mean, like, yeah, I, I was going to say all the all the CGI is probably in the bugs. And I thought, you know, I grew with that stuff a bit. Um, I never really actually considered that sort of space stuff as like you know what you might be thinking though. Yeah, that's the part that it just it, at times it took me out of the movie just how bad it looked. Mm. Um, but um, in terms of my favourite scene, the whole outpost sequence. You know they get there. You know we see a bit of a we see a bit of a fight while they're walking through a valley, and then they send one poor bloke up to go up to try and find a radio. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> We go through all that part. When they get to the outpost, from that point on, the movie sort of kicks in for me. We get more information in regards to why the bugs, I guess, are trying to do what they're doing. They're they're sucking the brains out of people and they're starting to learn and that's obviously um, how we get to the end of the movie with the brain bug and stuff like that. But just, you know, they're there and that's when we see all of those bugs come over the horizon. And I reckon it just looked awesome, and it's still and that part does stand up in terms of special effects. We get great carnage, we get really good battle scenes, um, we get the death of both Radchek and Diz, which is both sad, um, and you sort of get that nice emotional connection between Diz and Rika at the end. But that whole sequence, I just really enjoyed. I thought that was probably the the highlight of the movie for me. Um, but also the training, I I did like the training sequences at the start. Yeah, I, I liked that too. It actually made me want to play paintball again, seeing them doing the shooting and stuff. I was like, oh, I've done paintball in ages. <laughs> um, so while I'm going, other enjoyable aspects, the bugs are awesome and I think they they do look really good throughout the movie. Like I, I really enjoy, every time I watch it, they that, that always stands out to me about how cool they look and they do look mean as buggery. Um as I said, the special effects, generally speaking, were pretty good. Just the flight sequences I didn't like. This, this movie should have been under two hours. There is no reason why this is two hours and 12 minutes. You could have cut 20 minutes out of this quite easily. A lot of the calm and flying bits probably could have been cut out. Um, and this pissed me off. Hang on, I thought we were um, stuff you liked, other aspects you liked, but anyway... <laughs> Yeah, no, well, this is, well, it is actually other enjoyable, but this is other notable aspects. This pissed me <laughs> off. So my, my dad's obviously in the Air Force and has been for many years. They, they salute non-commissioned officers, which you do not do. Corporals are getting saluted. Sergeants are getting saluted. They're being called sir. That does not happen in the Army at all, or the Air Force or anything like that. You do not salute non-commissioned officers, only commissioned officers. And that pissed me off throughout the whole movie. Hmm. Well, you, think, you don't I mean, know what will happen in it, a couple hundred years, or yeah. <laughs> well, maybe. Look, I, guess, I mean, I, but I don't think. I wonder if it's you know again, sort of like you know, you know, I get that's that's totally a thing, but is it like buying into that allegory of this kind of you know fascist sort of quasi-military? Well, I, don't, I don't, I don't think any military's ever saluted. I mean, the idea is is that you become an officer and you get that instant respect, mm. whereas you know, 
if you're a non-commissioned officer, you're a grunt, you're on the ground, you're, yeah. Yeah. That just that part just frustrated me. Isn't, isn't Rico a lieutenant by the end of it, though? At the end, mm. yeah, but they're, they're saluting sergeants, they're saluting corporals. He gets gets called sir when he's a corporal. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, which is another thing that I'll, I was one of my questions, but I'll bring it up now. Very, very loose promotion promotion <laughs> systems through in the uh, through in the uh, in the mobile interest, interest infantry. Bloody yeah, hell, like, to um, to, to seriously, I find someone better. Yeah, yeah. Like basically, somebody gets somebody gets their arm blown off or melted off, and they go right. I need a corporal. Rico, what about you? Uh, okay. <laughs> And now I need a squad leader. What about you? Nah, I don't want to do it. What about you? Okay. <laughs> like, what? And then someone else dies and he goes, right, you're now sergeant. What? Surely someone else within this bloody troop would have been going, hey, Coco, I've been here for two years. Give me a crack at it. Like, very loose. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, Michael, other enjoyable aspects or notable aspects? Uh, look, I think if there's things that you didn't like. You know, I like the special effects, um, particularly the bugs. The bug special effects are the the key thing. The I was actually I saw in a car about this as well, and you know I've come off Stranger Things recently, and there's a, quite a few other movies and there's and TV shows, and they've got a lot of similarities in terms of how the the actual kind of monsters look, and I think what was nice about uh, Starship Troopers is the aesthetics that were used. They were very different. Um, you know, like the the bugs were quite sharp, and you know, obviously drawing from the insect world itself. But it was it was vastly different to a lot of the kind of monster effects we're seeing recently. Um, and I thought that was nice. Like you know, looking back on that, and going, hey, like these were some very original bugs um, and and monsters. And, you know, and we're not, you know, very different from the very common, like the kind of repeat monsters we're seeing in, in um, uh, FX studios lately. Um, mm. I think Starship Troopers has uh, so much allegory going for it. Like, I think that's what kind of keeps bringing back viewers and sort of, you know, how you look on it, you know, with knowing more, I guess. Like, you know, as you kind of grow as a person, you learn more, but then you kind of rewatch this film and you kind of go, oh, yeah, I see how this is actually a parody of uh, the novel itself. Um, you know, that the novel was apparently very kind of, um, yeah, the military is good, although there's people that debate that. Um, but, you know, it's an inversion of that, like it's a parody of that sort of fascist government aspect. I haven't um, read the novel, but I assume it's like serious, like it's a, whereas this has yeah. got comedy aspects in, included as well and and i'm assuming the novel is supposed to be more real like more sci-fi well it, yeah it, it 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 the idea is that it parodies that fascist kind of imagery um and like you know but also linking it to aspects of american society um you know the it kind of plays with the the human species is male and like the alien species being woman um and you see that very much with the um like, you know, sort of the masculine sort of mobile infantry um, and, like, you know, the uh, the brain bug that has, like, you know, the giant vagina with eight eyes. Um, <laughs> uh, the cast do, like, like Ken and Barbie in space and, like, you know, kind of looking at that sort of idea of, like, the shallow physical representations of, you know, successful people. Um, and, like, you know, the, the dialogue that goes with it, like, you know, it is kind of, you kill bugs good and... I have one rule, everyone fights, no one quits. You do your job or I'll kill you myself. 
come on you apes you want to live forever it's all very kind of you know propagandary based and sort of like that kind of messages that come through that society um it's it's a weird one but like you know in some way like you know you're kind of going for the humans but in some ways the humans are the bad guys um that's another aspect um <laughs> Yeah, and like you really see that, I guess, when you like Carl Jenkins, you know, Colonel Carl Jenkins, you see him at the end, and he looks like an, a Nazi SS soldier. Like, you know, he has that sort of that trench coat. They look like Nazi, space Nazis. Um, well, I think all the uniforms are supposed to represent that Nazi fascism, mm-hmm. and even even the like the national symbol or the, the military symbol is very similar to. Um, the was it the eagle i think mm. that the nazis yep. had yeah and that was deliberately done so yeah so i think like that's what 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 i find interesting about starship troopers is that like you know the the effects are great but and like you know the i think the shots are kind of you know the action sequences are well put together um but i think that's what kind of keeps bringing me back to the film glenn other enjoyable aspects yeah my other things that i liked was um the one shot with the um where she's sending him the video letter and it's like um the transition through um her making the letter and then it comes out of the shot and he's watching the letter i really liked that transition i just thought it was really clever and i just quite enjoyed that and the other thing i liked was yep. this line that was uh that that i can't remember the character that he red check he said, "Infantry made me the man I am today." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's missing basically. Yeah. He's got one arm and there's no legs. <laughs> one arm, and I was like, "That's quite funny." <laughs> yeah, that was a that was another highlight for me. <clears throat> Questions, queries, tidbits. Glenn, you might as well continue. Well, um, I, I started writing a couple of questions, and then I thought, you know, we could go all day asking questions about this movie, but the, the, the fact is that this movie is, it's deliberately, I mean, a lot of these questions, the director and the makers probably would not care because it's just fun. It's just satire. It's not supposed to be, you know, full serious. So it doesn't really matter that some of it doesn't make sense. So I'm not going to ask every question that you could ask, but first, my first question is, these video letters that they're sending each other are actually little CDs. Now, if in the future, surely the internet exists, they would emails would have existed by the time they were making this film. You know, the internet did exist. They're sending little discs, little CDs through the. What does the postman go up to the spaceship and pick up a I, pick I up remember a mail? Those. Or, yeah, it's just I just thought that was surely they could have made that future a bit more futuristic. And, well, um, I think that is sorry. I think that's that was cutting. Those are very cutting. They're the mini disc things. They were yeah, like yeah. the. I remember remember those that you could get audio recorders for that purpose. So I think that's like you know they're they're probably available on set. Um, uh, yeah, and yeah, <laughs> cutting edge at the time. We actually, I think we we're actually close to DAT recorders as well. So did you audio tape? Yeah, how we've progressed. But yeah, anyway, that was just surely that anyway. It's very late nineties, not future. Um, and and my other question, and I, I'm sure you probably have this as well. And maybe I'm I don't know if I missed something, but why wouldn't you just drop nuclear bombs on them from space? Like, why would you put people, people on the ground when you are sending robots? I don't know. You probably have them in the future. 
just why do you have to have so many people die shooting guns at these bugs? And just nuke them. Like, if you really want to wipe them out. Yeah. Yeah, that would... That was one of my questions, especially, and 100% agree, because we see when they go to the outpost, they actually have, like, spaceships come down and basically wipe out a, a heap of the bugs, like, with bombs and everything else, which is not too dissimilar to what the military do these days. Mm. And they just wipe out a heap. Yet they don't seem to do this tactic ever again. <laughs> yeah, just do flyovers and, and uh, airstrikes. And obviously, and, and obviously, like, they've got self-propelled, like, nukes or, or, you know, fairly sizable bombs, you can see a truckload of bugs coming over the horizon. But no, let's just sit here and shoot bullets at them. Um, now how about we actually use these rocket-propelled bombs that we've got and maybe start chucking some of those out mm. there and at least reduce their numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 100% agree. It, it's... I think a follow-on from that, right, is like I, I think a lot of it starts from colony planets and but. The most of the time you see them, like, you know, on a planet, they're absolute dust balls. Like, they are, how, I mean, how they support life, I don't know. What do the bugs eat? I mean... <laughs> Probably the mobile infantry <laughs> that we're stupid enough to keep sending yeah. them. <laughs> Actually, um, yeah, yeah. That was one of my other questions is, like, I didn't even write this down, but that's why I was, like, just pre preambled this with like it's, this movie is just there's so so much wrong with it you shouldn't really ask the questions but just like, nuke and, them from orbit and and the other thing was oh they just rock up to this planet and they can breathe like they haven't tested the atmosphere as far as i know they just don't need any sort of helmet or air oxygen they just oh, we'll, we'll breathe the air it won't be toxic to us you know it just should be fine yeah. You can't have wars with you when you have to breathe air. Yeah. Well, you can't breathe, yeah. you know, when there's no air to breathe. Like, <laughs> so I, Yeah, I wasn't going to even mention that one because of this movie. Anyway, the other, the last one I have, I didn't want to go too long with this. The other, 90 minutes, this hour and a half into this movie, the first time anyone loses, runs out of bullets in their gun. Because I was watching it and I was like, <laughs> these guns, they're unlimited. Like, they just shot a lot of bullets. And I was watching it thinking... Yeah. Are they gonna ever? And they did. They did it. Right. I was like, well, I've got to note the time because <laughs> I can't. That believe was the. It. Yeah. Was that the outpost? Diz, yeah, Diz, yeah. Diz runs out. Of, yeah. It just I couldn't. I was the it. same. <clears throat> That's all I've got. You know, here's a here's a bit of trivia for that. Um, on that movie, and here's a like you know obviously where they're not using special effects. They fired three hundred thousand rounds which was a personal record for the guy, I think. Like 300,000 rounds of ammunition were fired. And he ran out once or twice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why they didn't run out. They had so much ammunition. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've only got one question, Michael, and then I'll throw it over to yep. you if you've got some. Um, so Rico, Carmen, Carl, all speak, obviously, very fluent English, yet live in Buenos Aires. That's just a futuristic thing, I think. Like, I guess the world population has just sort of really um, spreads, maybe spread but... and just intermingled a lot. And I guess English is one of the dominant languages in the future. Or I just feel like it's just population has spread and integrated. Yeah, I read some. Yeah, that's I read some stuff that seemed to imply that it, like you know, that the you know that sort of America spread, like you know, it does overtake. South America, they're actually one sort of like nation. So, yep. but you're right. Like it's kind of it's like odd, and I think the original book has them has Juan Rico, you know, rather than Johnny. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, you could have quite if for that purpose, you could have quite easily just made it LA, and it wouldn't have impacted ah, the movie at all. But it probably would have taken away, like you know, and I guess that comes down to the fans of the original. Like, you know, they make decisions about that, like, you know, because it's based on something and so forth. you got to want to, what can you stick to? What can you change? And, you know, yeah. Buenos Aires, like, you know, as a um, as a city was, you know, it's as good enough as the other. Like, you know, you barely see a city anyway, so. Yeah, know. yeah, that's fair. Actually, I, I was just thinking, like, flashing back, the architecture in that sort of that space, like, they, you shot them in, that was actually really good. Actually, they had that futuristic element, which I think that was kind of nice too. Questions, Michael? Look, I think we, we went through mine. It's like, why do they fly their clip ships close together? Why didn't they learn? Which, <laughs> it's, it's like they the second time they know that that high-energy space poo is coming for them. Oh, spread out. Let's not be so close. If nah, we hit one ship, they're going to crash into another ship and then another ship and blow up the fleet. Like, Yeah, oh, that did make I did, have one more. <laughs> I did have one more. I just remembered that I didn't write down. And I mentioned it briefly earlier. Where Denise Richards gets stabbed through the chest by a bug leg, like yep. which the diameter is—it's not a bullet. It's you know, it's know fifty cent piece, it's... maybe fifty cent piece. Yeah. I'd say bigger, width, a little bigger, and and it comes through her chest right next to her heart and lung. If she, if it didn't pierce it, and yet and then it pulls out, and then not only is she up and running a few minutes later, but she's running with her arms swinging by her side like a normal run. She's not holding it still or anything. I'm like, surely that hurts. But it's just apparently it didn't happen. I don't know. Oh, yeah. that was just what they're weird. not talking about is the the cybernetic implants they've got. Like you know, actually, I have no idea. <laughs> You're right. it was something we talked about. It's like, wow, she's doing pretty good for just having her whole yeah. chest like chest area punctured. There's some sort of artery there, I'm sure. Like yeah, you know, and it went straight through, and it's come yeah. out. And how she hasn't bled to death. <laughs> Run this way, Carmen. I'm bleed. I'm feeling a bit faint. <laughs> Let's hit some bones as well. There's a scene where like Carl and Johnny and Carmen are talking and, you know, yep, it was Drill Master Zim. Oh, you know, yeah, he did it all. It's like, and she's just standing there. It's like at no stage she's going, I feel a bit faint. I'm, I've lost a lot of blood. <laughs> Maybe I should get some medical attention. Nope, she's got like there's a bit of a blood patch. She's all good. Yeah, now we're just tracking beautifully mm. here. This is fine. I've only got a hole in my shoulder, but still. <laughs> no problem. <sighs> Anything else, Morgan? No, those, we've answered all my questions. It's well, good, I mean, the questions course. are still there. <laughs> <laughs> um, trivia? Okay, there's a, there's a fair bit. Um, I think what, a funny one was uh, director Paul Verhoeven, uh, Dina Meyer, Casper Mandine confirmed that uh, along with Verhaven and the cinematographer, um, Jost uh, Vercano, um shot the co-ed shower scene in the nude themselves. So everyone was naked, like the director and the, <laughs> the cinematographer. So basically it was a bit of a dare, like, you know, uh, Mayer's gone to um, Paul. If, Paul, if it's no big deal, why don't you do it? And quite unexpectedly, Verhoeven has got gotten dressed and Vercano, who's raised in a nudist camp, has gone, oh yeah, let's do this. And <laughs> has gone, oh God, Dina, why? Um... So yeah, that was a, a good scene. Um, Neil Patrick Harris was often called Doogie Humler on the film whenever he wore the military intelligence uniform. Uh, Verhoeven admits to have never finished the novel, claiming he read the first few chapters and became bored with bored, both bored and depressed, calling it a very right-wing book. Um, he basically then told screenwriter Edward uh, Newmeyer to tell him the rest. Um, and then said, look, let's flip the whole thing. 
Um, Verhoeven said that of the shower scene, Americans get more upset about nudity than ultraviolence. He's constantly amazed about that. Uh, and this is a quote, I mean, I haven't seen any sex scenes in American films that are anything other than completely boring. A bare breast is more difficult to get through with the senses than a body riddled with bullets. And then had more than bodies riddled with bullets in that film. So, oh, they have heads chopped oh, off and everything. Tw- nah, that's fine. So, and like some... The, the the feel like the camera panning over like totally eviscerated bodies it was great um during filming Jake Busey suffered heat stroke after walking all, working all day in 120 degrees of heat so it's probably about 40 degrees in Australia something like that um, yeah, a bit hotter yeah. I think um this stopped production for a week when he recovered several large holes were cut into his uniform so he could cool off as were other cast members and other people had their stuff um originally 25 people per day being treated for heat stroke during filming uh, Van Dean really punched Patrick Muldoon in the face, giving him a bloody lip, and he deserved it. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Um, Casper Van Dean broke a rib during the stunt involving the jump off a big tank, uh, the tanker bug, and Do You Want to Live Forever is attributed to uh, Marine Sergeant Major Dan Daly in the World War One battle, uh, Bellow Wood. is one of two Marines to have received the Medal of Honor twice. And that is trivia. <laughs> Before we go on to our final thoughts, I, I forgot one question that I did have. Whatever happened to Casper Van Dien? Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Because if you look at his IMDb, yeah. it's not good. But, it, goes, yeah. it, it goes to shit. I think he did another couple of these and he hasn't done any really decent movies. And yet you look at him, he's a pretty handsome sort of guy. And I think we all agree that he, we thought he acted pretty well within this. So you wonder... What happened there? How come? How come he wasn't in, in like an American Pie or, you know, some sort of other action movies through the late nineties, early two thousands? No, like he's not stopped working. Like you know, you you look at it and it's there's stuff there. There's TV episodes and um, so it's not like he's stopped working. But obviously, he didn't get that big break um, that some other actors did. Like you know, Denise Richards, she goes on to do. Wild Things the same year, and then James Bond, um, a couple which years. Which was terrible in. Which, yeah, a couple was, um, years later. One of the, that's part of the reason I was talking about him at the beginning about actors um, that he was it surprised me that he was quite good, and and part of the reason it surprised me is because I didn't know who he was, um, and you would think he would have gone on to do um, more that I would know, but I just looking now, um, he's in one hundred and four films, but they're all. I guess you'd call them B, B grade mm. films. There, there's nothing mm. I've heard of, but I mean he's done a lot. But I guess they're just low budget or um, not exactly big big releases. Um, I wonder if yeah, I wonder if he suffered for the fact that this was canned at the start. Like if you, you know, it was it's obviously got shit canned pretty bad on the reviews. Only made 120. Two million, so really only made about seventeen million in profit. So you one, and then when it was re-reviewed, people go, "Actually, no, this is really good," and I think it's got a bit of a cult following now, and it's on streaming services, and they're probably it's probably made a lot more than what it did on its initial release. So maybe that's why, maybe because it wasn't a commercial success, he didn't get that bump up. Mm. I wonder if he maybe um, was he too good looking. <laughs> was that jaw too chiselled? It's like because he's got some very sharp angles on that jaw. Um, I wonder if he's one of those guys who goes around to all the you know comic conventions and stuff and just meets fans based on the Starship Troopers stuff and just keeps doing 
sequels to Starship Troopers and does the whole, you know, like Spike from Buffy does, you know, go around, meet fans. Don't know. <laughs> Sign stuff. What? I think he does, and I think he said that. Um, <clears throat> I think his his kids were aware of the movie, and his his kids come home and were actually quite proud because, like a lot of the other kids, had seen Starship Troopers, and they got a bit of kudos until, of course, they found out he was in like a naked shower scene, and then like, oh, know, dad, both the, both the kids and the and he got a bit shit canned for it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Anyway, we'll move on. Don't know what happened to Casper, but um, yeah, unlucky. Should have had maybe should have had a bigger career. Um, final thoughts and rating, uh, Michael. I'll leave you to last because you chose this movie, Glenn. Yeah, this is a hard one to to rate. Um, I think I actually, I just changed it in our during our conversation, like just because it's good. I really like it, but there's so many questions as well. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it. I'll give it a seven only because it's not as good as Ghostbusters, which I gave a bit higher <laughs> than that. Um, it's, it's good and um, it's, it's almost great. Um, it just, I think Denise Richards lets me down a lot. Um, it's a little bit too long as well. Yeah, like you were saying. Uh, yeah, so a seven out of ten for me. I I really struggled with this in terms of what I was going to rate it. When I watched it a couple of weeks ago, I reckon I was rating it a five and then I've watched it again since and I'll, I'll bump it up a little bit. <clears throat> and it's a, it's a hard one because I think there's parts of this movie that are, are terrible and, and for large parts the acting is not that great. Um, and, and just nuke them, like. Just, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's there's just large parts where you just go, this is a terrible movie in a lot of ways, which don't get me wrong, I love a good terrible action movie and that's why I think this is um, a great bad movie. But the when I watched it again today, again, you, I, looking at it, I guess, from a different view, it, it's probably a, a better than that. So I'd, I'd probably go with you, Glenn. I'm going to go with a seven. Um, which actually I put above Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> this is probably you freak. <laughs> no, and that's it's probably more of an enjoyable. I don't know. It's this is where it was. It's a really hard movie to rate because, in a lot of ways, I think five would be justified and eight would be justified. I don't too. know. And then yeah, that's right. So actually, you know what? I'm going to bump it down. I'm going to give it a six and a half. So it's the same as Ghostbusters <laughs> because they're both enjoyable. Movies. So I've changed it. I've bumped it back down again. Oh, so I'm going man. with a six and a half. Wow. This is your problem with rating Ghostbusters at 6.5. Comparing it to Ghostbusters now, you've got a, you've created a, a problem for yourself. Well, well somehow, somehow I reckon that Million Dollar Baby is a better movie than uh, Ghostbusters. That is when incorrect. Gone, that is absolutely when I've untrue. Gone back. Yes, but I'm happy to argue that point one day. But anyway, <laughs> Michael, um, like I, th- I think this film, it's great to come back to. You kind of go, you never think, oh, I don't want to watch that. You always think, oh, okay, I'll give that a whirl. Mm. Um, yep. It's not. There's a lot of other films that are, that are way better than it. Um, tell a better story, uh, but sometimes, like it's in sometimes, sometimes you just in some want ways, some fun. Yeah, and a bit of a guilty pleasure. Mm. And you're going, yeah, let's let's just kill bugs. 
let's you know you kind of you yeah. kind of barrack for the fascist sort of society in some ways um are you suggesting you want to bring back the Nazis? oh god no no but <laughs> is it's just that like it is it's that fun satire that like is entertaining um i think it's i think it's a seven um yeah, and like it varies sometimes. You kind of go like, oh, you know, compared to other films, it's actually not as good. But it's that kind of repeat watch. You can go, yeah, no, nah, that's what makes it a seven. Is that you can come back to it mm-hmm. and yeah. still kind of build on what you know. So that's fair. Yeah, so we're pretty well agreed then, even though we had different reasons behind it. We're, we're pretty much the same score across. I mean, areas. except Scott, yeah. Scott's is flawed, of course, but yeah. <laughs> I, I did give it a seven, and then I had to bump it down because you were angry because I voted it more than a, than Ghostbusters. Because Ghostbusters is a masterpiece, um, whereas this is just a good film. This is a very good film. Um, so, with the two times seven and my six and a half, that gives it a score of twenty point five, uh, which actually has it in the number nine position. Just. Just ahead of Matchstick Men on 20 um, and The Born Identity on 18.5. Not quite as good as Million Dollar Baby on 21. <laughs> Die Hard 2 and The A-Team that were all on 21 uh, and obviously 7 on 22. Well, so I don't reckon, which is probably about right. I think if you looked at those movies, it, I don't think it's as good as Die Hard 2 and The A-Team got a pretty good rating when I look back, but that was a really enjoyable movie. Um Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, it's, it, not necessarily from my point of view, but if you look at it, probably a bit better than Born Identity as well. So, Ooh. beautiful. Because harsh on Born Identity. <laughs> yes, you were ridiculously harsh. <laughs> Glenn, where can people find us? In their ears right now. No, um, <laughs> uh, Twitter, where cinematically, but I think we. Posting. We should post stuff. And uh, Facebook, um, it's just Cinematic Leap on Facebook will come up. Yep. And obviously people have found us on Spotify and we may look at Google Play possibly. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll expand to all the others very soon. And um, hopefully our website will get done at some stage and you can find all this there, all this information there. <laughs> Mind you, at the stage of this pod, it might actually be we do it on an earlier episode. So... Yeah, retrospectively. <laughs> you just never know. It may be there, it may yeah, not be. Yes. All right, so now's the time for our... Michael? Cinematic Loop. Would you like to know more? All right, so... <clears throat> obviously, as part of the rules, we, we note that one person picks the leaper and then the next person picks the movie, and, and we've done that. We've done that for, the, for 18 movies. So far. So we've all had six cracks at it. Um, so we're changing it around. We're going to try something a little bit different for the next nine weeks. So for the next preceding three weeks, so I get to choose both the Leaper and the movie for, th- for the next three movies. Uh, then it'll go over to Glenn. He'll have to leap from my last movie onto his next movie and then he gets to choose three movies in a row and then obviously Michael gets to do the same. So oh, this is why I was actually happy when we got Starship Troopers because I knew that I could get to <laughs> one of my favourite movies. And for anyone that knows me, my, my favourite movies are Die Hard, The Godfather and Jaws. 
And through my research, having when I got to choose, when I got to be the first person up on picking the next three movies, I can actually get to all three of my favourite movies. So I was pretty happy. From Starship Troopers? From Starship right. Troopers. So I can I can get myself to Godfather, Die Hard and Jaws. Not all of them. You can get all of them from, from one or you have to choose one to get to. Yeah, so it'll take me down three completely separate paths. But from this one movie, I can manage to, to watch all of my favourite my three favourite movies at the end of my, the third movie or in Godfather's um, opportunity, that was, that's actually the second movie. Hmm. So I'm still yet to decide which way I'm going to go and I probably need to start making a decision because we are recording and, and I've actually got to <laughs> yeah. um, do this. You could go to the Shawshank so, Redemption. <clears throat> I could go yeah. to the Shawshank Redemption. Um, Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? I did look at a whole heap of different movies but I looked at myself I looked at myself and thought you're probably never going to get an opportunity to be able to hit your three favorite movies off one movie so but that also creates a problem because now I don't know which way to go <sighs> all right <laughs> so I'm gonna so I'm gonna I'm Don't gonna tell, I've made my choice you're gonna say all three I'm, now I'm or not, are you gonna just say one for next week basically he has hasn't he no, 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 oh, no, Michael, no. So I can tell you, I know that I can, I'm not going to even tell you the movie that we're going to go with down this path. You'll probably be able to work it out. But the person I'm leaping with is Neil Patrick Harris. How much another? That's not a movie. That's not a movie. <laughs> it's long. <laughs> and the movie we are going to be watching, all of you people will be listening to next week, is Gone Girl. Mm. Gone Girl. Wow, I did not. I was not expecting this at all. I thought you were going to make me watch like The Godfather. So you know, I haven't. I haven't well, seen it. Like you know, um, which is an absolute allegedly. But anyway. So no, Pete we, keeps telling me we're going to end up. We're going to end up with one of those three movies after the next movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, that means that one of your your top three are out, right? It's kind of. Yeah, no, that's all right. I'm sure I'll get an opportunity to get to them at another stage. Mm. But we are going to go with. Neil Patrick Harris, Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Wow. I haven't seen that either. So it's going to be an interesting chat, that's for sure. Mm, yeah. Uh, it's a good movie. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. That's it. So join us next time when we review Gone Girl. And like that, he's gone. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap. Would you like to know more? <laughs>